Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What we just watched shouldn't exist in the world. Just like that. Honestly, I enjoyed it. Groundbreaking challenge. Kind of man in the tree. What I said was, uh, I'm not in Wales. <laughs> well, and that is a fascinating piece of data. No, I asked. I see. <laughs> no, I, I just, there's been two references to me being Welsh and being in Wales, and, I, and I'm not in Wales. And I just think, for the sake of the podcast, it shouldn't be a running theme about me speaking to you from Wales. Okay, well, what's that huge dragon flag in the background of your frame then? <laughs> that's just my Welsh. That's my Welsh heart. <laughs> uh, well, so long. Look, so long. We, we're here to talk turkey. Welcome along to the podcast, everyone. Uh, it's the worst idea of all time. Doing oh. and just like that, season two, episode six, and it's not just Tim and I today. This evening, we are joined by uh, comedy royalty in the form of. Greg Davies. Greg, it's a pleasure to have you. And it's really a pleasure to be speaking to you here, here in Wales. <laughs> <laughs> in some ways, Greg Davies, I feel like you take Wales wherever you go. So um, when are you not in Wales? You're sort of like a personal embassy in that way. I, it, it, it's in my blood and I carry it with me proudly. Yeah. If anyone latches themselves to your giant frame, you have to stamp their passport. Is this true? <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's not myth. That is true. Yeah. I carry one of those little rubber stamps with me at all times. <laughs> yeah. So all you've got in your pockets is in one you've got a little ink pad and in the other you've got a rubber stamp. <laughs> It's Correct. it's an interesting thing to think about because I guess then you've got diplomatic immunity no matter what you do because wherever you are, there you are. I have. <laughs> I have. And I shout diplomatic immunity <laughs> like in Lethal Weapon. <laughs> or um, but in a Welsh accent. But in a Welsh accent. <laughs> makes it all the better. Look, this is quite an interesting situation because we've all watched, and just like that up to this point, 
But you, we haven't released any of the episodes before talking to you, Greg. So you've got no idea the sort of journey that we've been on. I would love to hear a little bit about the journey you've been on with this show. I was reflecting this morning how when you start out in comedy, there are, there are things you can predict and there are things you can't predict. And me speaking to two New Zealanders about a Sex in the City spin-off, I, I could have guessed for 100 years. It wasn't on the bingo card? It was not. It was not on the tick list. Well, you've I'm made it. To be doing it. Well, Do you want me to tell you about my Sex in the City journey I think so. From the beginning. And I, I also, I'm aware that we've sort of glossed over the fact that you're on the podcast at all, which is not in, outside of the realm of possibility for our listeners, but it is um, somewhat unlikely, even to us. So just to, to... Here I am. Yeah. So the journey began, I think, last year or the year before when the first season came out, I was using uh, formerly Twitter. Now. I feel like you're leaning forward a lot. That's to block the reflection of... Oh. It's a, it was a cunning uh, visual oh, ploy. That's no, Okay. Uh, but I was on, certain, on Twitter. I'm certain you two are drunk. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're just excited. Uh, okay. I was on Twitter and you and you followed me. And I thought, well, this is an error. You know, this is when you're hovering over the button yeah. and you accidentally click follow. Oh, and there is that other guy, Montgomery, who is hilarious. Yeah, he's a killer. And so I immediately sent you a message and I said, Greg, what are you doing here? And you said, I'm enjoying the podcast. And uh, yes, yeah, someone, uh, someone put me onto it and I became obsessed with it because <laughs> because I, I, I weirdly started listening to and just watching and just like that. Yeah, and felt like I was just screaming into a void. <laughs> and then I mentioned it to someone and they said, well, there's this podcast that will help you like almost. <laughs> that will help you. Yeah. <laughs> there's some boys the I want you to talk to. They can help out. Cope with this show. Like so, it's a, yeah. a problem to be solved. What, this but, thing you're but choosing it? to do. <laughs> I mean, it, is it? So So you, I guess we were, we were, we're grateful for the referral. So prior <laughs> to that, how did you wind up, independent of us, watching and just like that in the first instance? It, it was it was Kate who referred me, just to name check her. She'll be oh, she'll be here. that reference. Hell yeah, Kate. Um, I, see, my Sex in the City journey started... Years ago, one of the first jobs I got um, was was doing voiceover for a popular comedy channel, and uh, and I only got the job because my my friend uh, was doing it and he gave it up, so he managed to talk them into. I had no no one knew who I was at all, and I started just doing the the vo's between common. I'm not going to say the channel in case I get in trouble, but it's fairly obvious what it is. <laughs> in between shows, I was doing the vo. And they just gave me free reign to say what I wanted. And I'd never watched an episode of Sex in the City, and they kept rerunning it over and over again. And I just started slagging it off, having never seen one episode, ju- just for, I mean, just for something to do. And I was saying terrible things. I was saying, <laughs> just to try and get a reaction. It's pathetic. I, I was saying things like, I'll carry in her friends, strike another blow for feminism by sleeping with loads of men. <laughs> but this was, that was based on you. This was the station's promotion of the show. This was the big teaser to hook people in to make sure they're watching. It, yeah, I know. But as a result, I got bollocked. I got of course. told off. I, I got a missive from on high saying, stop 
stop saying bad things about <laughs> Sex in the City. But I didn't know anything about the show. I just, I just knew it was called Sex in the City. So I started saying, you know, with the wisdom of hindsight, things that were quite inflammatory about it. And I got told, I got told off, so I stopped. And then I had nothing to do with the show for years. But, but, but you and regard, then, wait, so you regard you slagging it off in between as interstitials on television you have, as you having something to do with the show. Like your connection. Well, he's on the promo it, team. He's it, promoting it. It's the seed. It's the seed from which the oak tree blossomed. <laughs> They regard you as part of the Sex in the City family. Like you go to the cast reunions and stuff. You're at the rap parties causing a ruckus. I think they'd be pleased that I showed a keen interest. But I do, uh, you know, with the wisdom of hindsight, I sort of regret um, the content of my links. (laughs) um, Oh, man, it was a different time. Different time. We've all moved on since then, thank God. Um, I I, am. And then years and years, like maybe 10 years later... Um, bored one Sunday, I watched Sex and the City 2, which is your starting point, right? Yes, That's our yes, entry point to the universe as well, yeah. Movie. So before yeah, I'd watched any movie. of the series, I watched the second movie was the first thing I watched. And I was just... And of course, it was years after it had been out, so it was not... No one was talking about it anymore. And I was <laughs> yeah. just like talking to friends and going, have you seen this film? It's the... It's the worst thing ever made. <laughs> it's the worst thing ever committed to film. Yeah. And and everyone, you know, understandably just went, well, why are you talking about it? Because <laughs> it was years. I don't know when it came out, but it was. It must be five years after it came yeah. out that I watched it and wanted to talk to everyone. So um, you, you are, you're sort of so close to the experience that Guy and I have, but it's just struck me that if only one of us was doing it, it would be, um, very scary and quite maddening. And you're right, this sort of um, analogy of yelling into the void, like you've seen something, you desperately want to grab passers-by on the street, shake their shoulders and say, have you seen this movie yeah. Sex in the City too? Have you had a load of that? Yeah. But you couldn't really. Yeah, but I did, I, I did do that, but everyone was over it. Like people couldn't even yeah. remember the plot anymore or, or you know, Samantha's, throwing condoms at people <laughs> or, or the, the magical things that happen in that movie. So I, so I do think there's a degree of fate with us. Absolutely. This conversation. And what, so because what, I really was alone. Yeah. Alone in my, well, so, for, so I got furious. I got furious with the film and, and no one wanted to talk to me about it. And eventually, you know, fam, family listened to you more than other people. So my sister engaged with me about it. <laughs> And she said, "Yeah, but the series was really important. You know, the the the, the TV the show you TV slagged off for years and years. That I'd been slagging off without having watched a single episode. And she said, you know, how much she loved it. And I get on very well with my sister, so I took it a bit more seriously as a show. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, I then I went and watched I went and watched some of it, and I thought I sort of get it. I think it's." <laughs> Because you, you haven't watched the series but yet. Right? Well, no, awesome. we, we, we consider the series to be non-canon, but you have carte blanche to talk about it, of course. 
Okay. Well, I sort of understood why it was a hit when I watched. I mean, I've maybe watched three episodes. Don't you know? I've not. <laughs> yeah, gone yeah, down yeah. There. yeah, yeah. This is like a breach birth because you started with Sex in the City too, and then got word that actually the original source material is quite important. Yeah. But you're watching it sort of, I assume, about twenty years after it first came out, so it sort of lost oh, all sure. of its currency and context. Hey, the whole the whole experience is fucked up. Make no mistake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It sounds like it had but, uh, had real resonance with you. It's become a big part of my life than I ever dreamt. Of course, <laughs> and now it's brought us together uh, in in a very cosmic sort of a way. And then you find yourself. Um, so ha- okay, so then you've watched three episodes of Six of the City. You're like, I get it. Yep, feminism. Yeah. Roger I get that. It. All right, yeah. Clocked it. It's it's quite it's quite well done, and I I know. I could see why my sister got something out of it. Yeah, you must be a big hit at the rap parties when you talk when you wax lyrical about your relationship to the show. <laughs> you know it. Um, but then it all sort of came full circle when and just like that came out because that sort of it sort of justified my voiceovers to me because <laughs> I, because I I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And I couldn't stop watching it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, you get- <laughs> did you have a friend in the cave with you? Was there anyone else you were watching? Because this now is modern day. You're watching it as it's coming out. You potentially could have allies well, in this. I, I had a, I, I had my ally Kate, who uh, uh, you know, who told me about your podcast. Yeah, that was my Kate. ally because again, I was going around going. To anyone who'd listened, Jesus Christ, have you seen have you seen and just like that? And no one that I know was watching it. So again, it was like a, a second wave of madness. Yeah. Well, it's kind of um yeah. the so you just to retrace the steps, Sex in the City two once, three episodes of Sex in the City, and just like that. Bang. Yeah. <laughs> You have sort of organically, as far as anyone we've spoken to, most closely mirrored our relationship to the universe of this show and the characters contained therein. Um, and and you and you wonder why I followed you on Twitter. <laughs> why? Well, you know, I didn't just assume all of this once I saw you followed me. I was like, oh, I know what will happen there. I get it. I get it. Started with the voiceovers, saw three episodes of the series, second movie first, and then just like that. Of course, that's what the follow's all about. That's what that notification means. Okay, so you you traipse through the first season alongside us. We have a wonderful time, and then the second season starts. Yeah, we don't have any correspondence outside of the. How did you get here? I'm enjoying the podcast. Good. The second season starts, and you you message me and you say, "You guys have to cover this. I'm not doing it alone." (laughs) That's right. That was quite funny. Because yeah, because I watched um, late night. I got back very drunk and watched the first episode, and uh, and thought, "Oh God, here we go again." You know, <laughs> here we go again. <laughs> and actually, I imagine it'd be quite fun to watch drunk. It'd pair well with being pissed. No, it doesn't. If anything, it, it's a real buzzkill. <laughs> oh no! What is okay? What is it? What is the? What is this? I mean, I, I guess I can't really sit here and speculate or pretend I don't understand, but what is this cosmic connection you have to the show? What is it that pulls you in and makes it so sort of undeniable, unmissable in a sense? I, I mean, it's it's genuinely like my version of some kind of religious experience because I can't explain it to you. I, I can't explain my interest... <laughs> I can't explain the contradictions that go on within me. 
So I guess it's uh, it's as close as I've ever come to to spirituality. I guess. <laughs> as, as, and, uh, um... Because most. Most things in my life I could explain, you know? Yeah. Is it as a direct line as sort of martyrdom or self-flagellation or is it a more complex relationship than that? I mean, you know, I'm a comedian, so I, I, I hate myself, obviously. <laughs> Goes without saying. I don't, know if, I don't know if there's a direct correlation between um, – my self-loathing and my interest in this show. No, that's what I'm saying. I, I, I've looked for a logical reason. There yeah, is yeah. no logical reason. Yeah, I actually no don't want to prod point. too much I further because I feel like Greg Davies will unravel before our well, eyes and I don't also, want to be responsible no, for that. Also sort of- no, if, <laughs> not at all. If anything, it's a, it's a welcome distraction from from the difficulties of life. <laughs> well, it, that, I mean, I think church, you might- It's my church yeah. of comfort. You've boiled it down to a sentence there. It is interesting to consider because there's obviously a balance between the the sort of the more groundbreaking components of the original TV show, which you downloaded and understood in just three episodes, yeah, and the sort of arguably more poorly executed and uh, infuriatingly sort of compelling and just like that, you know, like you're drawn to the the bastardized version of what the the original show was trying to be. Well, yeah, and I, I and I think the the madness the madness is the jump from a hugely successful show to 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 a show I'm going to get too serious analyzing it now, but the no, jump No, no, it's it's good. The jump that they had to make was so huge from that original show because of the, you know, the premise of that show and the, the importance of the age group of those women and the lives they were leading. The jump that they had to make, especially as one of the cast members isn't speaking to everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> and I've believe me, I've got obsessed with that relationship as well. Fantastic. But the jump that they had to make to make this show in any way relevant or or, 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 or to not alienate this sort of army of fans. I mean, it's not a job I'd like to have taken on, but I, I'd argue it's a job I'd have done just as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, because uh, I have to make a revelation to you, Greg Davies, and that is that in the last episode we recorded, guys sort of, I think, worn his heart on his sleeve both with the first and second season, there's aspects he doesn't enjoy, and I hope I'm not mischaracterizing your relationship no. with it. But I feel like you are very connected to it somehow. I I am I, every episode I look forward to. You're genuinely excited to watch it, and in the yeah. most recent episode, the show had has also somehow, against all odds, won me over. Last episode. Well, that's what I was going to say to you. Is it? is that what I felt, and I've watched all six, because when I spoke to you, Guy, yeah. I hadn't, um, I, I hadn't w had a chance to watch any of them. In, but I have, in the last 48 hours, watched all six. Oh, boy. And I think, I, th I think that the most, the most profound feeling I have is one of great disappointment that they've sort of got their shit together. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. There's a frustration it does, there. It, it, has, it does feel like it's still spotty in patches where it's like it dips back to the mess that it has been oh, on the way here. Oh, there's absolute car crash moments, but uh, as a whole, <laughs> it is starting to 
to to form its own identity, and I felt nothing but crushing disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also thought that as I was driving here to your place, Tim, is that this is a this is a slightly weightier, you know, like some episodes they they skew really light and silly. And oh yeah, in the context of it, just like that, they're actually confronting. I mean, like the fact that the Sex and the City and in just like that universe is now confronting the idea of racism inside of the confines of like the most wealthy people you can conceive of in New York is, you know, yeah. it's crazy. They're introducing storylines that I feel and I've had such an easygoing relationship to shitting on this entire thing yes. because of like the entry point being Sex and the City too. It's like, well, you've just missed. Everything's a miss. And now they're opening yeah. up themes where I'm like, oh, don't want to touch that. No. <laughs> I'm going to steer clear I of that. I think I wrote that. I wrote that down as an as a note because I think they so um, Lisa Todd Wexley you got it I've, I'm getting their names is being honoured at MoMA for her documentary about three uh, fantastic African American women who come from different professional worlds education legal and something yeah, yeah. and um, and so there's these really like actually pretty fucking cool scenes where she's like. Um, Doing her hair, and she and and she has this steadfast uh, dedication to getting. Well, actually, they did lose me a little bit in the fact that it's snowing all episode. There's a blizzard out, and her. Well, for, for me, it's it's. Well, I'm sure we'll come back to it. It's a big problem with the whole episode is the convenient blizzard. Um, <laughs> the blizzard does the, a lot of heavy blizzard, lifting in this episode. The blizzard came out of nowhere, and then everything revolves around the blizzard. Suddenly, and uh, no, was a source of. And it's all great irritation. It's like they were using different cameras or a different DOP, and the, all the Blizzard stuff felt like it was like from a whole different cinematic universe. Yeah, it was all like it had a different <laughs> lens on it, and like the score was completely different. It was just like Shackleton, even, but even traipsing their way across Manhattan. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't snow in Manhattan, was it? <laughs> because there was also a phone conversation that was happening between Carrie and Charlotte, and Charlotte is screaming to be heard down the phone, and Carrie is talking quiet as a mouse, but you hear them both perfectly fine. It was so disorientating. Yeah. But anyway, the, the Lisa Todd Wexley stuff, I was like, I ain't touching that. Yeah. <laughs> That's not for me. That's not for me and Guy Montgomery and Greg Davies to, to dig into with a red It's actually the, the scene where she... Uh, yeah, she but we can acknowledge it. Yeah. We can acknowledge that they take on worthy subjects. And, well, absolutely. Uh, and, and I did think uh, they did pretty well with that stuff. You know, and we are, uh, you know, with with greater, with greater or lesser extents of success, but they take on worthy things. That's yes. right. You can't. That's part of the show finding its feet, isn't it? What, yeah, you what, can't knock it for ambition. What we and our, our single listener to the podcast is wondering is um, – how would you have handled discussing that in one of your iconic links between episodes? <laughs> what, what, uh, what sort of throwaway observations would you have made? That woman being recognised for her documentary. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I'm not sure I would have taken that on in an early link. <laughs> you wouldn't have done a VO about the um, beautiful moment of recogni- yeah. intergenerational recognition in the women's room at the Museum you know, of Modern guys, Art. I, I've made it very clear I, re- I regret those links. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> really does feel like we're trying to paint you into some sort no, of corner no, now, no. Greg. <laughs> it's just a fun little game we play. Us boys like to play when things get a bit serious on the show. Um, I regret those uh, and they just they displayed a youthful ignorance that I um, distanced myself from. Now Where I'm, were we? I'm so much more curious about what we're <laughs> no, saying. No, no. 
Well, I think, so there's a lot happening in this episode and we can dive into all of that. But the thing I would be, I need to bring it up early in the in the conversation because it's important to me that we get into it. You We've are missed a, that train, mate. an outstanding uh, stand-up comedian. And the character to whom I'm the most fascinated across the entirety of the end, just like that season, is, of course, Shay Diaz. Uh, I take great sort of... You know, it's this, there's a car crash element to their storyline across both seasons where I just cannot... Yeah. I cannot look away. I cannot get enough. Every joke, every utterance, like the stand-up sets are phenomenal. The comic asides, the sitcom story arc. Um, the cameos. The cameos. The cameo. The cameo. That was some of the craziest behavior. Like, Shay or Shay? It, both work for us. Yeah, I'm not sure. Is it Shay or Shay? Still not sure. What? I'm going to call it Shay. Go for it. Shay? Shay. Shay. Let's... Let, Go on, let's focus on Che. I'm, well, okay, I'm, so I'll just present my overarching pencil theory is that they've worked so hard to incorporate them into the world of the show and it's been such a fascinating uh, sort of, you know, story arc and also creative exercise. I think behind <laughs> the scenes I can really see, you know... A hundred monkeys at a hundred typewriters yeah, exactly. trying to make this, this character yeah. work. I've sort of, I've, I, I sort of wonder because there's a, an instinct that I've had to... You know, and I'd like to think that it's nothing to do with um, me, be, you know, me shutting out people who are different. But like, your transphobia, yeah, exactly. <laughs> a temptation to dismiss Jay is a pain in my ass. And I'm sort of watching this, and the cameos in bed, obviously, just insane behaviour. I'll give a bit of say what what happens there because uh, it's funny. Yeah, yeah. So Miranda and Shay are having a hard time, and they're both exhausted. And they're getting into bed. Yeah. And Miranda's sort of giving her a cuddle to make her feel better because they're sitcom bombed. Or them, they're them better because they're sitcom bombed. And Shay says, I'm not really in a, the snuggle zone or something. She's one of my Paddington beer. Yeah, exactly. Snuggle. Yeah. And so. Too tired. I, I, actually, I actually wrote I wrote that down, that card. Oh, give it, I'm not give in it the to us. Yes, give it to us straight. So then <laughs> they turn, and we assume it's a good night. Everything is pointing to no more talking. It's just two people lying with their eyes I know, closed. I know exactly where you're going. <laughs> and then, I mean, this is just some of the most out-the-gate behavior I've ever heard or seen. Shay takes their... Is this, is this the, cl- the clunky crowbarring of cameo that you're... <laughs> Certainly, yes. I think, I mean, Greg, you know what I'm describing. Why don't you tell us what happens? No, no, please. I'm, I, I sincerely would love to hear your interpretation of events and presentation of them. Well, Che just starts doing birthday cameos for people. <laughs> and it's that, it was one, because one of the things that interests me is that I think the character of Che, they've dialed right down this season. Mm. And, and, and I'm sure you've discussed it. There's a previous episode where it's quite, quite meta references to, yeah. to audiences not liking Che, which I'm sure was... It's been covered, know, absolutely. Guys convinced they're, watch, they're, sorry, they're listening to our podcast and responding to it in season two now. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> but they really, they really have dialed them down, yeah. dialed Che down. And, um, and I felt that the cameo, her going, I'm, I'm just doing some cameos... <laughs> Was was a sort of flashback to the Che of old, yeah. Where, um, yeah, yeah. And I delighted. I, squee- I squealed with joy <laughs> when she started doing cameos in bed. Generation so like, one. That's the that's the Che I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Clunkly crowbarring in cultural references. 
I found Shay to be the most believable this episode when they were just massively stoned and depressed because they were sort of delivering the same writing of lines but with no energy whatsoever and i was like now now we're cooking well i've met that comic yeah i i'm friends with that comedian yeah my belief was that the show was even maybe going to be so bold as to in some respects villainize shay and actually make them sort of reveal the the selfish core that lives inside of every stand-up comedian right but (laughs) really thought you were going to say trans person (laughs) no 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 shay's not binary Ah. um but instead it feels like through through shay's breakdown it seems to have activated miranda's lost her power in this season it seems to have activated like a fire in miranda where miranda finally stands up for herself and says fuck this you know i'm trying to help you this is bullshit basically starts standing up for herself across the board and then also on the other side of that when shay breaks through that night we get to see this offside where they go to the widow con which by the way is a fantastic we didn't get to that widow con is a funny thing to say (laughs) WidowCon, the whole event was an absolute sensation. But the idea that that event exists just delighted me. The B-plot for this whole episode is Carrie is reading, doing a reading of her book at a convention for widows. Yeah, but you can't call it WidowCon. And the convention is run by Rachel Dratch, who has a character called Carrie as well. And honestly, it was such a delight to see them arrive to see her on screen and really um, passive aggressive towards Carrie. Really nice to see someone needling Carrie in a way that I was like, yeah, fucking get in, get under there. You yeah, know? it was nice. And Carrie- it's so thrown away, that, that, that sort of, their history. It's just <laughs> such a, it's such a writer's room idea. <laughs> what, what if they've got this history that we just that she needles Carrie with, and she's changed her name to Carrie. And it feels to me like it's a writer's room idea that everyone just went, yeah, maybe. And then it just made it through. <laughs> because it was never going to... I knew that idea was never going to play out. That's one of the things I love about the show, in a way, is that they'll sometimes raise a thing, but then not carry it through. So I knew that once that, that history between the two characters came up, you expect there to be resolution of that, but there isn't. There's no, it's just sort of forgotten about that. And, and is, as is often the case, it's forgotten about it in a triumphant moment for Carrie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Carrie, Carrie must... Yeah. You're so right. It's like the show has opened a window because Carrie's such a fucking universally annoying character and so self-centred and self-obsessed. Yeah. And... Uh, you finally, every now and then, they'll give you this little window, a little opportunity for the viewer to be represented by a character in there. And you're like, oh my God, are we going to get some self-reflection that Carrie has been a horrible person the entire franchise no. long? No. What? It's just one conversation. You get yeah. a little taste and then they abandon you know, it. It's, it's, you get a taste of it, but then that, that character is swiftly turned into an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> just, this is the thing. What you're describing to him is a topic that criticism is always in the wrong <laughs> yeah and what you're actually describing to him is a toxic relationship that you have with carrie where you are in spite yeah. of the overwhelming body of evidence you're expecting growth or you're expecting yeah a, a, some sort of display of a, you know a quality which you have to accept i'm at this still point waiting exactly. i'm still waiting for change and well i, I it's sort of convenient where at widowcon because 
Carrie sort of draws Shay out of their depressed hovel and says, I need your support here. It's a public speaking event. And before Carrie speaks, there's another person. And Carrie's the keynote speaker or something at this widow convention. And it's sort of like this... Um, I think Shay actually described them as the Don Rickles of widows. Don just Rickles. someone just she was great doing roast roasts of her dead husband. I guess it and, was and fucking the, awesome. The concept did, of every did she say <laughs> the, the Don Rickle of widows. Yeah, <laughs> and Carrie's you know Carrie's bricking it. Carrie's saying, "Oh, I can't follow this. I don't have any gags." And Shay starts workshopping material like their side of stage. Yeah. And they're, honestly, they're and I, I say this with total sincerity and no irony. Shay's work in crafting gags for Carrie on the hoof, I was like, that is the closest to an act. There's, there's the core of an actual, inside of the character, there is a, a comedic yeah. muscle that is being advertised to us <laughs> that you have suppressed through a special, through a sitcom pilot, through all of these sets. <laughs> I've never seen you actually advertise the idea that Shay could be a functional comedian or writer. Until now. Did yeah. anyone else feel that? Yeah, there's there's no hint in uh, all of season one that Shay has ever written a joke. <laughs> it's always such a fun thing in a show, isn't it? it? Because good storytelling is show don't tell. So you would display Shay's amazing comedic abilities, but instead they just keep telling you Shay's a comedian and you just have to Shay's take it on faith. She's a comedian. She's got a special. She's got a sitcom. <laughs> Why, why not give... I mean, you sort of feel for the actress, really. Why not give Shay some jokes? Let, let her prove it. They even showed in the last series a hint of a stand-up special no, the, where the comedy I don't think she said one... She didn't say one joke. She wasn't given no, one joke the, to say. The, it's, all, it's all feeling. And honestly, it's, it's that, that introduction of a character and then the refusal to make them good while their career accelerates in the world of the show is one of the hooks, I think. It's one of the pieces of special sauce that they've put on the, the end, just like that sandwich, that keeps you coming back for another mouthful. Because like, what is happening? You know, you think, what's happening here? This is incredible, this flavour. <laughs> I hate it, but yeah. I'm, comp I'm compelled to go back for more. I've never tasted anything like it. And you haven't. And you haven't. And no one's ever made a sandwich like it. And then in the second season, all of a sudden, you're in a you're in a review room where they're discussing the sandwich they made, being like, we're sorry about some of the parts of the sandwich, but you got to admit, it's a pretty interesting sandwich. You want another sandwich? It's the it's the MSG. It's the MSG of television. <laughs> oh, and then I, my, my, my taste buds are open. <laughs> I, they've been forced open. <laughs> Absolutely, I do think Shay is a victim of of really bad writing. And as you say, Greg, it is almost frustrating to see the show find its feet in this last couple of episodes. So in this episode, we we got a few strands going on. Yeah. Carrie's, Carrie's I, prepping for... And I actually felt... I actually felt... I really felt for Shay at one point. I, I wrote... I can't remember when, but there was a moment where I went, oh... Well, they're highly depressed and they're just sort of trapped in their apartment and uh, as, as their career is imploding and their relationship is... Hitting the bricks. It's a bad scene. Yeah. We've all been there. But I never felt that I, I, I didn't think I'd ever empathise with Shay. No. <laughs> on anything. I yeah. thought I'd only feel animosity towards Shay. Greg, but... as a fellow professional comedian, you didn't feel no. that kinship? That's not... That professional but I did. camaraderie? That's, that's my point. Oh, you did this, this time? I did. 
Yeah, no, I bought it. I think that I think the shared livelihood is maybe it's all all revolves around the fact that she made up that dildo joke, <laughs> and now we've accepted her into the comedic fold. It's it's honestly you're not a mile off. I think the fact I think sharing a vocation with Shay is what's driven a wedge. For well, that's been my theory with you. Yeah, because I think they are c- close enough to you in the life that you're leading and, and, and your aims are aligned with their aims, but you're like, it's the uncanny is valley. That right? It's the uncanny valley of it. It's This is close enough, but it's not quite right. I, and that's I mean, why you're not so going to believe it hideous. when you hear this, Greg, but I have for a long time had a spec script where Tony Danza plays my Italian father as well. And to see it, you know, <laughs> sullied. Of course. Of course. Frustrating for you, wasn't it? So well, it's not because like it's not even, you know, my, my one was real. <laughs> I would love to see that. The reverence, the reverence for but, Tony I mean, Danza honestly, really, mate. I've really enjoyed the reverence for Tony Danza as well. It is an amazing decision of the show. And I kind of get it because it's like, it's television. So who's the king of television? It's Tony Danza. And he is. Tony He's worshipped. As a deity in this I series. Just, I honestly, I can't stop thinking about the spin-off possibilities of, it's like Fraser was born of cheers. Yes. The, the, like what Shay's output covers. The Shaneverse? Yeah. The Shaneverse? The, the, the Shane, it's like I, what I would give to watch the full comedy concert special where the entire audience is standing while Shay delivers no jokes. What I wouldn't <laughs> give to see the YouTubes of those of those sets that we see at the comedy store up, what I wouldn't give to get my hands on that unaired pilot that bombed, like all of that stuff. If they actually released that, as you know, there used to be bonus features and directors' commentaries and stuff on DVDs and Blu-rays. Wouldn't it be incredible? You're sick in the head, mate. No, this is a this is a you. This is a purely come with, you. Come thing. with me, Greg. What do you think? Would you watch it I, all? I think I think it would have an audience of three. <laughs> I think, currently speaking. <laughs> <laughs> and we just have to have regular conversations. But yeah, I would, I would love to see the expanded Shay universe. It seems like a but lot of work for the three of it's us. Ruined it for me by, by making me care about them. I can't believe they made me care about them. I, I felt such animosity. Such. There's there's another yeah. important storyline that I want to get to in this one, and that is Lily is going to have sex. Mm. Wow. With God as her witness, Charlotte's daughter, her baby girl, age probably seventeen, I think seventeen. She she's decided time and, is now. I, she's going to have sex. I considered that storyline and Charlotte's partner, and I've said this earlier in the season. I said that I think there's a bit of a reclamation project with Charlotte. She's advertising growth. She's growing as a person. It was in the same episode where you said, "Well, we did just see her." Um, don't you know who I am to a retail worker? Mm. And so obviously there's a bit of light and shade there. Charlotte's not perfect. Yeah. But her storyline, correlative to her daughter Lily in this episode, losing her virginity, <laughs> is, an, is another like example it, of... It, and sorry to interject something, but to Greg's point earlier about the show consistently throwing things in the air and refusing to see where that ball lands, is like, in yeah. the last episode, it was almost a cliffhanger that she was going to rejoin the workforce at an art gallery... Where the fuck did that yeah. go? Nowhere. That's gone. Never that's mentioned. Gone because, it, because her daughter wants to have sex. That's yeah. gone forever now. You know what it's like? Some days you're ready to get back into the art world. Other days you're traipsing through a blizzard. It was put such a spotlight on it. It was so important. And it's such a like milestone in Tra- the journey. Traipsing through a blizzard looking for condoms. Yeah. And then... 
Oh, there are so many things that happened. So many things happened around this condom storyline <laughs> that I delighted in. I, I enjoyed Carrie Bradshaw giving her no advice whatsoever whilst dressed in a duvet. <laughs> I know. And they really wanted right ever... She was of no help. They had like either a drone or a crane shot so you could absorb the full depth and width of the duvet. It was a bizarre it is, thing. It is it is singularly my favourite shot of the whole episode. <laughs> when when well that I mean that the duvet shot is right up there. <laughs> The, the crane shot, presumably, down on her in a duvet. Do you know what that dress when is? When nothing significant happened, her friends yeah. weirdly <laughs> said, I need to get my daughter condoms, can you help me? And she said, she said no. <laughs> yeah. And then there's a very expensive top shot yeah. of her in a duvet. That's right. Cause the <laughs> that's the, that's sh- the end of Gary's been put into it, but then... Yeah. <laughs> My fa- my favourite shot of the whole episode is they go back to the crane. They obviously were getting their money's worth with the crane. And when Charlotte um, inexplicably delivers condoms, condoms to her teenage daughter so she can have a fuck, I guess. Um, the, there's a crane shot from on top of Charlotte that goes up. She looks, she looks up into the snow and the, and the crane pulls away. As this sort of, um, I presume, a, a great piece of symbolism about losing her daughter. Or mm. I literally wrote in my notes a, a Hitchcockian shot of Charlotte looking up at the tower where her daughter is about to lose her virginity. Yeah. It is. It sticks out yeah. a you, mile I mean, away from could, the rest of the year. You could almost latch thematic purpose to that, but the, the initial one where it's of Carrie, it's like they're in control of the story here. So they've chosen it. This is the part of the story they're telling us. And then all of the emphasis just goes on the on the shot. Absolutely bizarre. I do yeah. want to just circle and back. I don't, and I, I don't know as an actress how, how she would... I don't know how she approached that scene. <laughs> what was she... <laughs> what, did she what feelings did she internalise when the crane was, was being pulled away into this... Into the snow-riven sky. <laughs> Just, I guess... I think I'm losing her, right? I'm losing her. Yeah. I guess that's what it's trying to transmit, but it was so odd. It was just so... The whole thing was so odd. Well, it, it, it carries dress. Let me say this. There is a James Bond movie, I can't remember which one it is, where Q gives him a suit where if he gets caught in an avalanche, he can pull a tab and it will inflate yes. around him and encase him yes. and Carrie Bradshaw's dress in the snowstorm looked exactly like that life-saving avalanche jacket maybe it was like a, an inflatable walnut surrounded him <laughs> maybe I, th- I think I think it was live and let die maybe uh Mr. Big bought was a big Bond fan bought the suit at a um like at a some sort of movie auction. Yes, yeah. And then was just mucking around at home, pulled the tab, it all got out, and then they couldn't get it back in. No, and now it's a it's a real Gary piece just to slipped carry. into it on a snow day. <laughs> it's horrible. Some stuff it's like that's interesting fashion. That thing was like she's wearing a weird sleeping bag. No, but it's it's it is I have to accept as part of the magic is it's because to my eye, and I'm sure that they'd look at some of my outfits and say it's a miss. But I'm watching this and Carrie consistently it's just miss after miss. The most sort of exciting In piece of fashion. Of, uh, fashion, yeah. Some, yeah. Of, some of the, but I guess the, the, the show's hoisted by its own regards in that regard. You know, yeah. it's... The pigeon it, purse it, is still a highlight for me. The show that, 
they've just they've got to keep rolling out new outfits and after a while you know it's going to get absurd it has to get absurd because there's only so much you can do with some pieces of material right so it has to get absurd <laughs> but i love it yeah. when it gets absurd yeah we haven't seen samantha yet and i am regretful that i know this information but the internet Mm. foisted this intel upon me that at some point well, Samantha Jones is involved in the show yeah. and I would love for her to take on this role that we saw this brief taste of in the form of other Carrie who used to be Karen to just come and yell at oh. Carrie and tell her what a horrible person she's been the entire time on the last episode yeah yeah. And I, how happy as she it, is now and what a fuller person well, she is outside of the friendship. There's a push and pull to whether that might happen. Why do you why do you think she agreed to come back given the animosity between the two actors? Well, um it was noted that she has her own series which came out on the exact same release day as this season on a competing network and I can't remember what it's called. Oh. So so it's, publicity. So it's cynical promotion. Yeah. Which I wow. love. Good on you. I, it's a, it's, yeah. it's a Trojan on, yeah. horse of a move. I love it. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, Tim, you know I'm a huge advocate for hiring an objective, professional, licensed professional to tell my problems to so that when they tell me what they think, I know I'm getting it straight. That's where BetterHelp comes in. That's right. BetterHelp have a big pile of professionals to talk to at your convenience online. You've done a bit of therapy, right, Guy? I started doing therapy during, uh, there was a pandemic, I don't know if you remember, and the benefits were immediate and long-lasting. They help give you skills that you can use when you are in stressful or anxious situations. Honestly, it's changed my life for the better. I guess that's why they call it BetterHelp. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash all time today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash all time. Why not? I mean... The, because the show has become a little bit more self-reflective and meta in this season, 
it's not entirely outside of the realm of possibility that they would get Sim at the back and we would see at least an allusion to or, you know, a, they might glance past a point of tension that exists not just between the characters but also, you know, off off camera. Something yes. to suggest, because, you know, obviously it's going to happen late in the season and obviously they'd want to suggest, I assume they're going to go for a season three, they'd want to suggest that, you know, Kim might be a part of that third season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, they want could, to dangle that carrot. Surely they'll, you know, like even in this episode, there was actually quite a lot of story happening relative to the season arc. Because in this episode, we see Miranda and Steve have a huge explosive fight that actually opens up the conversation quite nicely. Yeah. 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 Steve, they, Steve has and been I a hero of mine. I thought it was quite subtly done. I, I, I thought the, her, her regaining of power from Steve. Mm. Real, when she realised that, that Steve has has moved on from the relationship, and she was able to yeah to take back the power and and wash out the guilt, I thought it was quite nicely done. I know, and when because when they're having the <laughs> look at the through gritted teeth, Greg Davies admits a win for this episode. Because well, just to, to you wins in this season, yeah. I, I can't tell you how disappointed I am. <laughs> yeah, the the broad strokes is that Randa and. St- Miranda's told basically that she'll have to tell Steve she wants a divorce because in the first season, Steve's talking with Carrie when they're painting a house or something and says, I'm never going to take off the wedding ring. Mm. So Miranda goes and she's sort of ready to have this conversation. And Steve, she says, the mortgage, when are you getting an apartment? He says, I lied in therapy. This is my house. She says, the mortgage is in my name. And he says, this place is a shithole. I built this I house. I built this house. Yeah. And he goes, so he basically says, so fuck you. They villainize Steve. They do. And, you know, to their credit, actually. And then Miranda goes to leave and he says, no, 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 don't leave like that. Don't leave like that. And then the next shot we see them, they're spooning on the bed and they're sort of talking it through. You, you don't believe there's going to be... I, I am sad that you no longer do the Steve voice when you're doing Steve. Oh, fuck you, Miranda. Well, his, he, he is age, his, his voice has aged yes. remarkably. Yeah, it has. Yeah. And they... yeah, It's insane. His voice is insane. Yeah. It's softened. That can't be how the actor speaks, right? I'd say so. Yeah, I'd say there's something going on because there's a reference to the character being hard of hearing, and maybe that's something that's going on with um. I forget oh, the actor's name, no, I but that. yeah, who's, who's but he. That, right. So then they're spooning, and it, it sort of. Well, Miranda starts finding a power, and then they're spooning, and Miranda sees a. Con- I mean, this is. I guess Steve didn't see it coming, but it's reckless of Steve, you know. While obviously you want all the characters to have equal footing and get what they deserve, Steve's leaving unwrapped condoms on the bedside and table. And he blew up. Where he's spooning, he's... and he's blowing up. And then Miranda says, what's this? This is Well, yeah. the whole problem is that Miranda's been doing the cooking, the cleaning, looking after the Steve's house, looking really... after Brady, because she thinks that Steve is a broken compromising, man. And she's compromising her relationship with Shay in the process. Absolutely. And it's basically... <laughs> well, I like absolutely. you get closer to camera when you're making a sincere point. <laughs> Confession cam. Years of experience. <laughs> you can take the man. stand the barrel occasionally. <laughs> take the man off TV. You can't take the TV out of the man. Um, well, it's in me. It's in me, boys. But so they're, they're, they're having this conversation. And suddenly it's revealed that the sort of power dynamics have flipped because Steve isn't this victim who's been wallowing well, in his own depression. Thing. He's been out getting his end off. He's been, he's yeah. been playing it so well. He's been basking. He's been getting all of the glory of that's being not the this broken phrase, man. Getting his end away? Yeah, no, that's what you say. He's been getting his end away. Uh, and then all of a sudden she's like, I thought you were a victim. And he's like, I'm not a victim. And then you're like, oh, Steve, you lost your power, brother. You lost yeah. all your power, and the, you know the the whole dynamic's gone. But what I loved is there's a moment, there's a moment where they stay on Steve, and Steve's facial expression sort of goes, "Fair enough." 
Yeah. <laughs> yes, so, I love that too. It's great. It's, it's really good. And he's doing a pose and, in the bed. in that expression, it's good work by the actor because I think in that expression you go, ah, he's going to be okay as well, you know. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's really, it's, Everyone here is going to be okay. It's a beautifully played, but it's like Steve realises how much rope he gave Miranda. Yeah. And he's like, oh, it was too much rope. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like, doesn't My bad. Yeah. But it's like this. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got me. Fair enough. Let's both move on. Good. This has worked out. Um, I guess we should do our shining lights of the episode because um, we're, we're at about an hour now. That feels like a pretty good length to be talking about one episode of And Just Like That Season 2. Well, it really does. Before, <laughs> before we get into it, though, um, Greg, is there any sort of – have you got any – Aside from the showing, like any miscellaneous thoughts, stray things you jotted down, or anything you have to get off your chest? Yes, I have. I I feel that my um, the new villain of the show for me is Herbert Wexley. I just wanted to get that. Oh, that's interesting. I I and I'm not quite sure. I'm only forming this. I'm only forming this opinion now. But I find her. I find Herbert. I, when Herbert gets sexual, as he often does, yeah, I I, I find it v- sickening. <laughs> um, I, but I think that might reflect on, it, it, you know, it's very British of me. I don't like I, I don't like to see couples. You know, like there's a moment where where Shay and Miranda haven't seen each other for a day, and they just start necking in front of friends in mm. this episode. It- and, and, yeah. And it, that sits very uncomfortably. No, I, I was with you. But that was gross. Herbert, Herbert is always looking for an opportunity to sort of slime all over his wife. Uh, <laughs> and there's a moment in this episode, which is my highlight of the whole episode in many ways, where he says, oh, I can give you a lift to your, to your incredibly important interview. <laughs> I can give you a lift in the car. And... and Rather than talk about the sort of, you know, massive significance of the talk that she's doing and, and the subject matter, he says he, he, he homes in on the fact that the car that he's offering up has got heated seats. <laughs> and then he leans in really closely to his wife, presumably of many years, and goes, mm, and I know how much you like those heated seats. <laughs> so he, he has to make it a sort of gross... He has to make heated seats a gross sexual reference. He does, and it does. It slides out of the mouth, doesn't it? It's it is. Um, he's but do you know? He's just. It's sort of the it's sort of the modus operandi of the show this season. I feel like is they're like we're gonna make everyone horny, yeah. Yeah. and we're not. You know, we're not gonna shy away from it. Everyone's horny. You know, Car- but he's the horniest. <laughs> Herbert's the horny. He is horny, the horniest. Horny Herbert. Horny Herbert finds a hoot. I actually quite like this line where she says, "How much pain are you in now?" And they're talking about they're having a conversation. He gets his penis trampled on by one of the kids, mm. and they've got these yeah. these conflicting schedules. He says, "How much pain are you in now?" And he says, um, "Penis three, fundraiser 10. And I thought, <laughs> "It's not, it's not, not funny." <laughs> <laughs> I actually missed that line. It's quite good. The penis injury. The penis injury is really thrown away. Thank God that I know his the wife's got the way that the actor played it. I was like, this guy. I thought that was going to be a runner. I thought that was in this 
in this universe, it's entirely feasible that that would run for a whole episode. Absolutely, his damn. But I did. I was thinking because I was running. I was running um, scans on potential storylines for the episode, and I was like, we just spent, you know, a whole episode with Harry doing Kegel exercises because yeah, yeah, yeah. he can't do it again. He's firing nothing. Yeah, we're not going to go straight back to the Dick Doctor, are we? I wouldn't put it past them, but luckily, although they I, didn't. I did like the Dick Doctor. I'll bet that storyline was filmed. I bet, I, bet <laughs> I bet Herbert's damaged dick is in is in a vault somewhere. I will note that this episode was, I think, 26 minutes shorter than the last episode. No. They're doing whatever they want in this show. It's the last episode over an hour. I think it was an hour 11, and this one was 46 minutes, if I remember correctly. That can't be true. Yeah, really. They're all 45s. Are they? They're all 45s. Maybe the last one felt that long. I'm going to look that up while you talk. I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you guys my shining light because we've missed it completely because it was kind of throwaway. As a storyline, it's interesting how hard they're making it for Carrie to promote her book. Yeah, it's like a real consistent right. returning it's point. So it's boring. like Carrie's really grinding out book promo. No one wants to talk to her about this book. I guess because it sounds fucking boring. Who cares what a billionaire in Manhattan <laughs> has to say about grief? But you know, at, at the start, <laughs> is she a billionaire? No, she's, you know, I mean, we heard it from um, Candace Burge in the last episode. Due to tragic circumstances, her pockets did just get pretty deep. But she's... Um, ah, yeah. She was asked to give that 100000 right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. For the photo with Gloria Steinem or whatever, or to get in the newsletter. But uh, at the start of the episode, she's setting up... I mean, I knew, first of all, that her MacBook was a goner as soon as they had the 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 CD player on the computer in focus. I was like, what's Carrie Bradshaw doing with that? <laughs> Yeah. And she's sitting up for the Zoom with an influencer who's going to interview her about her book. And I thought, whoever the actor was who played the influencer smashed it. <laughs> she was such a daft fucking pain in the ass. Man, I hope that wasn't a cameo of someone playing themselves. But she was such a cartoon character, though. <laughs> I loved it. What did she I'm say? Do you know what? I wrote down, boys, when I was watching it last night, I wrote down what the influencer said. Go on. But I can't find it. Oh, Oh, she said, um, what? <laughs> she got bored of talking about grief within 10 seconds. Yeah. And, uh, and changed the subject by saying, what shades of lipstick are you effing? <laughs> and she says effing, not fucking. Yeah. So, what shades of lipstick are you effing loving right now? It was so good. It's after, <laughs> it's after she's been like the carrier. I, I haven't read your book. And Carrie's like, it's about grief. It's about my husband dying. And there's this beautiful long silence. And then, well, could, first off, she goes, "That's hilarious." No, what's it really about? I just, I, I just, yeah. I like, you know, I yeah. liked it. it. There's such a grab bag of stuff being grabbing thrust into notes. every episode. One second. Um, all right, he's grabbing his notes. There's, yeah, there's so much stuff happening that occasionally something like that, a stray thread or something that is totally throwaway, comes in, and when it connects, you're like, "This is, you know, it's another flavor." It's like if you get a it's subway, delicious. if you get a subway sandwich and you ask for jalapenos. And there's like, you know, yeah. there's one at the top and there's a long bit with no jalapenos. And you're like, well, I thought I asked for jalapenos. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, yeah. you'll be in the back third and there's another jalapeno. <laughs> they're constantly, as as you're eating, they're constantly tossing new <laughs> new toppings in. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes just taking them away again. But they let you have a bite and then they take them away. Yeah, why, have you, why have you scraped the jalapenos off? Yeah. <laughs> You're having a sandwich in and it is coming over when you're not looking <laughs> and just putting more shit in. 
I like it. <laughs> I like it. I like the analogy so much. <laughs> oh no, I like those. I like those jalapenos. They're nice. Hey! Because <laughs> they're taking stuff out as well. <laughs> Good God. Mm. I mean, right. I wrote down as my shining light that <clears throat> it's just the concept of WidowCon. I'm, I love it. I love a, a convention where, I mean, conventions have always been quite a fascinating um, sort of a thing to me. I don't think I've ever been to a convention in my life and I find them um, very fascinating. And I think they'd be a lot of fun if you were into anything. And I guess that's the point. It's about yeah. community. It's about your passions, your hobbies, your interests. Um, there's something that you really identify with and enjoy, and you get together with like-minded people to share in your enthusiasm for it. To grab that medium and turn it to people whose linking attribute is my husband died is funny to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to know if it's a real thing because I I wouldn't I wouldn't dismiss it out well, of hand that this exists and yeah. I hope to go one day. It's a damn shame they didn't get Betsy von Miffling on the scene oh, at Widowcon. She would have crushed. I would have loved to hear what she's got to say about the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, yes. we got you. Yeah, I'm just looking at Widowcon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's not a thing. The internet couldn't sustain both the conversation with us and the quest for WidowCon <laughs> concurrently. It's right, yeah. one or the other. Right. How hard are you searching? <laughs> with all the resource. Um, right. It's time to land the plane, everybody. All right. It's been such a delight. It really has, Greg. Thank you for coming and joining us on this, this journey. What a pleasure. I've, I really feel like you've, you've taken a weight from my shoulders. <laughs> Oh, it's honestly, it's been a pleasure to share in it with you. And, you know, most unlikely of um, connection points, I guess, but it's been fantastic. And obviously, we're a lot smaller than you, but uh, is there anything in the world you'd like the people who listen to this podcast to know about, to point them towards? Um, what do you mean? In terms of my... Your, your oeuvre. stuff I'm doing. No. Well, I'll t he's, got a, he's got a fantastic you can, sitcom you called... You can watch my show. Yeah. Yeah. You can watch them, the cleaner if you like my BBC show. I think it's on. So it's on something over there. It's, on, it's, it's been like. on Netflix here. It's fantastic. And like. also watch you, Magnificent Beast, the stand-up special. Yes. And of, why not? Yeah, and five stars from me. Yeah, put that on your poster, Thanks. Greg. He, he, he says he's a, he says he's um, sexually squeamish, but he talks a lot about fucking a bear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it was it. I, I, and I'm I'm in the house where I fuck that bear right now. Good times. And on that beautiful piece of trivia, like the Greek hero who has to is it Sisyphus or something who has to keep running up the hill with the boulder. What? But there's three of us now with the boulder. And I that's see. a nicer feeling. I thought Greg having sex with the bear was the Sisyphean challenge, but no, it's <laughs> it's more of the just like that. There's more to go. And we look forward to taking it on. <laughs> the bear is Greg's penis pump from the last episode. <laughs> oh my god, the penis pump! There's so many things that I've. I mean, honestly, I could probably do another two hours. Well, but I, Greg, maybe we'll get you on for another I, I episode. Think you're, you're, 
You're right. You're right to stay within the realm of one episode. I think. All right. I really don't. I really don't like um, Seema. That's how I'm going to end. And just like that, it's the worst idea of all time. And just like that, they're at it again and having such a gay old time. And just like that, they're back. Got Montgomery and Timothy back. And just like that. It's the worst idea of all time.